Well, good morning. It's good to have you here on this holiday weekend. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to speaking to you today. As Nino said and Rick said, next week we start this new series. We're so excited about it and hope you'll be back next week to join us for that. Uh, but today I get to preach, and I only get to preach like once or twice a year. Now, if those of you that attend here regularly, you may go, you preached us every weekend. Uh, but technically, I only get to preach a sermon every once or twice a year. And one of the difficulties with that is trying to decide what to preach. Because when you only preach once a year, it's like, what's the message that I would give this time? And so what seems to happen with me more often than not is it comes back to me to what is the most vital thing that I think about. And so as I was getting ready today, I realized the text that I'm using today, I've used several times in the past seven or eight years because it's something that I'm passionate about and that I believe is the core to what we need to do as Christians. And so if you've been here a long time, you may say that you think I'm a broken record, and that may be what you're getting today. But it's a message that God put on my heart and gave me a burden for. In fact, I actually tried to get out of it. I don't know if you've ever been that way with the Lord when he gives you something, and it's like, are you sure you want me to do that? And so I tried to change topics, and as I tried to change topics, it kept coming back to this topic. I then even tried to get Manny Dominguez to preach this weekend. Because I was like, Susan uh, Conway told me I was like Jonah and I was running. And Manny couldn't do it. He was out of town this weekend. So I said, all right, Lord, I know what you're wanting me to do. But my hesitation is because I know my personality. And I don't want to come across heavy-handed today. I want to let the Lord speak. I've asked the Spirit to speak to us today. And so it's my prayer that you hear this from the words of the Lord today on what we're going to share and really, it's this message that comes out of Exodus chapter 20. If you can think about whenever Moses was on Mount Sinai and he was getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord. And the very first part of that text in Exodus 20 verse 3 says, You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. Now, when I start with that text, you're probably like me, you've heard that so many times. And I read it year after year, and yet it jumped out at me different every time that I read it. Because if you'll play this out with me for just a second, Moses is up on the top of the mountain. And I don't know about you, this is going to show my age, but I watched Charlton Heston up on that mountain every year in the Ten Commandments. And every year I couldn't wait to see the smoke and the fire and he was up there with God and he's getting these Ten Commandments. But at the very same time, if we were going to use today's technology and do a split screen, at the very same time, at the base of that mountain, Moses' brother Aaron was building a golden calf. At the top of the mountain, Moses is getting the word from the Lord, have no other gods but me, don't build idols. And at the very same time, the people of Israel are building a golden calf. You know, in fact, God with Moses at that time, 
says in chapter 32, verse 8, how quickly they have turned away from the way I have commanded them to live. How quickly they have turned away. See, because God had just delivered them through the Red Sea, taken them out of Egypt. They'd seen these mighty works, and then Moses goes up on the mountain and is gone for a while, and so they start replacing God immediately. And I have to ask myself, do I do the same thing? See, if you'll stick with me on this, in March 2020, everything stopped. Our jobs came to a screeching halt. Meeting together in church stopped. Kids' sports stopped. Professional sports stopped. Everything was narrowed down, and and we just came to a complete halt. And one of the things I heard during that time on social media, on people that I would visit with, they're like, oh, I'm so thankful we can slow down. I'm so thankful now. The things that are the most important are the most important. We're getting to be with family again. I even heard parents say, I'm so glad my kids' sports have stopped because we were just running around too much. And now we're not thankful for COVID, but but now we're thankful for the fact that we can slow down and make the important things the important things. And yet once, to some degree, things started opening back up, God's competition reappeared. And I wonder, could he be saying about us how quickly we've turned away? You know, and so as I was studying this passage, it it brought me to two questions that I had. The first one is, what are our golden calves? What are our golden calves? Because as I had this split screen in my mind of Moses up here and the children of Israel down here building a calf, I had this same split screen with me of this importance of time with God and quietness during the COVID stop down and now me being full back in full steam again. And I just had to ask, what are my golden calves? What has our attention? What is God's competition? Some of these are good things. Maybe your family. You don't like to think about it this way, but your family or your kids or your marriage may be competition for God because they're such a high priority to you that they consume everything that you do. Could be your career, recreation, pleasure, sports. Maybe it's your phone. For you students or kids, maybe it's video games, social media, popularity, your money. And I think maybe even more so than us than our money, our time becomes our idol because it's our currency. Maybe during this season, it's been your politics, your opinion. You know, I've heard more and more during this season, it's my right to be right to have my rights. And that can become a golden calf for us. See, it's my thought, we've had a lot taken away from us over this last 18 months, but what have we willingly sacrificed 
because of our relationship with God? What have you willingly sacrificed because you're a God follower? Because when COVID happened, we had a lot taken away. But I wonder how much we've sacrificed. You have to know before I would ask you these questions, I've asked them of myself a bunch. Stacy says, I'm a constant evaluator. I'm constantly evaluating our marriage. I'm constantly evaluating my health, constantly evaluating our church, my spiritual life. But even as I constantly evaluate, sometimes I need reminders. This summer, I got one from our 20-year-old intern, Brandon Fetter. Brandon was here working with our student ministry. He's a student at ACU, and he volunteers with the youth ministry at the Beltway Church. Well, my youngest son, Caleb, that's a youth minister now in Tulsa, volunteered at that same church until he got asked to step out of a volunteer role. Now, let me explain that to you just a little bit. Uh, At ACU, we don't have fraternities, but they have what they call social clubs that are a lot like that. And Caleb was pledging a social club, and a lot of those activities happen on Wednesday nights. Well, during this five- or six-week period, he missed several Wednesday nights because of his pledging his social club. And so Beltway said, hey, you need to step away from ministry and you can come back when you're more committed. Well, I'm talking to Brandon about this. Really what I'm doing is making excuses for my son. Because I'm like, that's Abilene. They, Beltway's right by ACU. They know that social club stuff happens on Wednesday night. They know how important that is. So I'm making this excuse for my son, trying to get sympathy out of Brandon. And Brandon looks at me and he goes, yeah. I told our club that church was way more important and I wouldn't be there for pledging activities. Ouch. Here's this 20-year-old that's here learning from me, right? And he's teaching me about priorities. And I think we can all use a priority check. So let's go in the Word today to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read a few verses starting on In verse 17, as Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down and he asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. This is another passage that you've heard a lot of times. It's not a new passage, but maybe we'll look at just a couple of things quickly in a little bit different light today. This man comes to Jesus and asks a question of, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him this list of items. Actually, the same list that started on that mountain with Moses. 
And the young man says that he had done all those things. And I want you to notice the verse in there that says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. The New Living Translation says he felt genuine love for him. See, this man is seeking after Jesus, and Jesus hears his response, and he looks at him, and he loves him, and then he doubles down on him, right? He, I hate to use poker terms too much, but he ups the ante on him. Because we would think if Jesus loved him, then he'd just accept him right where he was. But because Jesus loved him, he asked for more from him. See, love doesn't lower the bar. It calls for more. And so as Jesus called him to more, he gave him an invitation. And the invitation is to give up everything to follow me. Give up everything to follow me. Put down your competition and follow me. Give up your treasure now to receive it for eternity. And the very next verse says the man walks away sad. It's the only place in the New Testament that I know that Jesus asked somebody to follow him and they said no. And this dialogue continues with the disciples where Jesus talks about how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God and the disciples are amazed and the word tells us that Peter says, but we've given up everything to follow you. And they had. The disciples that were with Jesus had given up everything. Matthew 4 verse 20 tells us Peter and Andrew left their nets at once and followed Jesus. In verse 22 in the same chapter, it says that James and John immediately followed him, leaving their boats and their father. And in Matthew 9, verse 9, Matthew telling his own story says that he got up, he left his tax collector's booth, and he followed Jesus. See, they left family, occupation, income to follow Jesus. And why would they do that? Because Jesus gave them a bigger vision. He called them to join him in changing eternity, to be fishers of men. And they gave up everything to follow that vision. And I believe Jesus doesn't ask any less of us today. So in response to Peter's comment, we read on in Mark 10, verse 29, Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. So if we listen to those verses of what Jesus is calling us to give up, then I have to ask you the same question. What could cause you to give all those things up? And I believe it's hidden in this verse where Jesus says, for Jesus' sake and the good news. What could cause you to walk away from everything and follow Jesus is the same thing that called the disciples to that. For Jesus' sake and the good news what the New International Version would translate the gospel 
Well, what's the good news? Here it is. It's simple. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus died for us. He took all of our sin on him so we could be right with God and live with God forever. But it doesn't end there. Not only have we sinned and are we saved, but we're called to this life-changing, eternity-shifting mission of God that we would take this good news to all people and tribes and tongues. And it would be that that would call us to give everything away. And the good news is the only thing I believe that would compel us to give up everything to follow Jesus. We are so moved and so changed by Jesus' love that we want to tell everybody else about it no matter the cost. But in this text, Jesus gives those willing to put him first three promises. That first promise is blessing. He promises blessing. But let's don't make this a prosperity gospel because there's faithful followers of Jesus all over the world that are not rich in the world's eyes. But God's provision and blessing sustains us in ways that can't be measured. And Jesus promises blessing. I've seen this personally. Whenever I decided to go into ministry when I was 21, I had family members pull me to the side and say, I don't think you're going to make enough money. I don't know that you can provide for Stacy. And I can't. But I've been able to look back through the years at how God has blessed us in ways we never could have seen coming. And we've never gone without. And I can talk about it from a family perspective. Those of you that know me know I grew up without a dad that was a believer. And because of that, because of my dad's lack of faith, it caused me to have to draw away from him. And so much of my growing up years, I didn't have a father that I needed. But God in his goodness gave me a youth minister that became my spiritual father, that filled that gap where my own dad didn't. And then he gave me a father-in-law that showed me how to pray for a family and how to lead spiritually. You see, he multiplied dads in my life, just like he said he would in Scripture. And then in God's goodness, he allowed me to lead my dad to Christ later in life and to reconcile that relationship and, again, pour blessing on me relationally, even though I had to walk away from it at one point. See, but I think we want the blessing without the sacrifice. And I also know that I'd like a life without the second promise. The second promise being that promise of persecution. See, if I was Jesus' PR coordinator, I'd say, this doesn't fit. You've got these guys that you're talking to that are giving everything up to follow you. And you say, you're going to have blessing. And they're like, yeah. And you're going to have persecution. No. Right? I, I give my life to Jesus. I give up everything. It should be easy then. Everything else should come easy. And I don't know about you, but I don't face much persecution for Jesus' sake and for the good news. But quite possibly that's because I don't make the sacrifice. Because if I truly left everything to follow him, maybe the persecution would come. 
like stories we hear around the world right now in Afghanistan of Christians that are just sitting in their home hiding, waiting till they come and get killed. To Christian men that are having to give weapons to their daughters and to their wives and say, make the choice when they come of do you kill yourself or do you kill them? That type of persecution. A ministry that I heard of in China that's house churches because it's underground that tells these leaders of their house churches, when you get arrested and you're being put in the police car, the first thing that you need to do is repent for thinking that your faith would come without hardship. That type of faith challenges me. But Jesus promised blessing. He promised persecution. In the midst of that persecution, what would sustain somebody? The third promise eternal life. See, as we talk about a priority check, Rick Warren says living in light of eternity changes your priorities. Because this life is going to end. But we don't fear losing anything in this life because of what is promised in the next. Jesus promises us he has so much more in store for us. And you see this invitation to follow Jesus is a communal invitation. But the decision to follow is a very personal one. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, this demand shouldn't surprise you. Your decision to follow Jesus began with the decision to die, to put yourself to death to accept what Jesus had for you. And so I hear so much right now about well, I don't like this, and I, it's not my, it's my right. And it's, no, as followers of Jesus, we have no rights. When we decided to follow him, we put ourselves to death. And so in Mark 8, verse 34, Jesus says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. You see, there's that term again. If you'll give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, it has to be a higher calling that would call us to do those things. So if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you so you could be with him forever, so you could join him in this mission right now. But you need to know it cost you your life because he wants you to give up your life for his. You see, Jesus wants us to have a priority check. And I firmly believe and know guilt is a poor motivator for change. And so it's my desire, I've prayed so much, that this wouldn't come across as a guilt trip to you. But here's what I know. I'm really good at it. My kids tell me that it's like one of my gifts. But guilt doesn't induce lasting change. And so my prayer today has been that the Holy Spirit would convict you to check your priorities. Holy Spirit conviction causes life change. And so I believe God is calling all of us, adults, Students, kids, 
He's calling all of us today to put him first, to have no other gods before him, to put away your idols. And it's because he loves you. He's looking at you and loving you and calling you to more. Love doesn't lower the bar. He's not afraid to call you to put him first. And that means that we have to sacrifice things we enjoy. We may have to change jobs. We may have to change a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We may have to give up a sport. Or parents, we may have to give up a sport for our kids. We may have to give up other activities. Making it real personal now, we may have to sacrifice personal time to serve at church or to serve in the community. I know that's one of the biggest challenges for me. Time is so precious. I'd rather write a check. But God calls us to put him first. It may mean that less time on your phone may mean less time on your computer. What does it mean to put him first in your life? I can't tell you what it means. Only you can. It's a decision you have to make. So only you know what you need to put down. And really, as I thought about how to end this message, I wanted to just give you time to spend time with the Holy Spirit. To lay all of your life before him and ask what priorities need to change. So I'm going to have the band come back out. And they're just going to sing a song over you. And this response is is for you right now, just where you sit. So stay in your seat. Do business with the Lord. And ask him, what might your golden calves be? Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you so much that you love us, God. We know that you love us so much that you look at us with love, even when you might ask, man, they've forgotten already. God, we don't want to forget anymore. And so, God, we just ask that you'd speak to us this morning. We want to do what you want, God. It's not that anybody in here doesn't want that. But God, would you convict us again? Would you speak to our hearts? Be with us, God, as we lay our lives before you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.